0: Wish you weren't hearing an ad right now? Want to get the next episode even sooner? Well, after the show, head to watchnebula.com slash Radio. You'll get access to our original podcasts, ad-free, plus exclusive originals and experimental shows from your favorite educational-ish creators. And best of all, you're helping us to make even more amazing content. Just go to watchnebula.com slash radio It really helps us out. In the waning days of the Trump presidency, people are wondering if President Trump is going to exercise the pardon power to pardon himself and his family. Well, yeah, probably. Good night, everyone. Oh, you want to know if there are any limits on the presidential pardon power or if there's anything that can be done to stop the president using the pardon power for himself and potentially co-conspirators. Well, the US Constitution gives the president the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment, even pardon a turkey. Drumstick, you are hereby pardoned. Could President Trump pardon this turkey? Could he pardon his family and potential co-conspirators? Could he step down and have President Mike Pence pardon him before he leaves office? Hey, Legal Eagles, it's time to think like a lawyer for the president. The pardon power is kind of like a magic eraser that sets aside punishment for federal crimes, but that doesn't mean that there are no limits whatsoever to the power to pardon. The text of Article 2, Section 2 establishes a few limitations to the broad grant of pardon power. For example, the pardon power does not apply to state crimes, why? Because the Constitution explicitly says that the president may only give pardons to offenses against the United States, and that means federal crimes. People often mistakenly believe a president can pardon or commute the sentences of people convicted of state crimes, but that can't be done. People with state convictions have to look to their governors for reprieve. The pardon power also cannot be used to set aside impeachment. There is some disagreement about what this really means, but at a minimum, the president cannot pardon an executive or judicial officer from an impeachment conviction. In all likelihood, if President Trump had been convicted in the Senate, he could not have pardoned himself in order to remain in office. And depending on how the conviction was stylized by the Senate and the particular punishment that was given, the conviction would have immediately removed the presidential power anyway. But there's still some ambiguity about the phrase in cases of impeachment as a limit on uh, presidential pardon power, especially if a president pardons people who helped him commit impeachable offenses. Some people believe that the constitution imposes other limits on the pardon power. They generally point to the president's article two duties to faithfully execute the laws. When a president takes the oath of office, he or she must affirm their commitment to the rule of law. So we could argue that a president who pardons himself, his co-conspirators, or accepts favors in exchange for pardons is not faithfully executing the laws or the duties of the office as a whole. These arguments certainly make sense, but they're completely untested and could be completely unconstitutional. The most common response would probably be that if a president is acting as if they're above the law, then the remedy is impeachment. And the founders wrote uh, at least one limitation into the pardon power. If they wanted to write more, they could have put in those limitations directly into the document. But let's take a step back and talk about the origins of pardon power. The pardon power was adopted from an English tradition known as the royal prerogative of English kings, which gave the king the ability to overturn any sentence. It might seem counterintuitive that the American founders adopted the pardon since they had just revolted against King George III because they thought he had too much power. And James Madison wrote that giving one person legislative, executive, and judicial powers was the very definition of tyranny. So why does the constitution give the president the ability to quickly reverse a court's judgment? Well, ask Alexander Hamilton, who argued that the pardon power was a tool a president could use to swiftly diffuse tensions during times of national crisis. George Washington immediately used the pardon power to end the Whiskey Rebellion, and giving the tax-protesting farmers a pardon rather than sentencing them to death actually worked out pretty well. But Hamilton trusted the pardon because he thought it would be used only by the most virtuous of men. But we are a long, long way from George Washington now. But one of the issues that perennially comes up, especially in the context of a potential Trump pardon is whether a pardon is an admission of guilt. If someone accepts a pardon, does he or she admit that they were guilty of the underlying crime? Whether accepting a pardon is an admission of guilt under the law is actually an open question. In the 1800s after the Civil War in Ex Parte Garland, the Supreme Court said that a pardon blots out the existence of guilt so that in the eyes of the law, the offender is as innocent as if he had never committed the offense. This sentence suggests that a pardon wipes away any person's guilt. Yet the court seemed to back off this interpretation in a 1915 case, Burdick versus United States. In Burdick, the court observed that a confession of guilt may be implied in the acceptance of a pardon. But Burdick was about whether a recipient could turn down a pardon. As some have argued, the court meant that as a practical matter, because pardons make people look guilty, a recipient might not want to accept one. But arguably, pardons have no formal legal effect of declaring guilt. In fact, many people have been granted pardons specifically because they're innocent. There isn't much case law directly on point, but recent lower court cases seem to align with Burdick's statement that a person admits guilt when they accept a pardon. President George H.W. Bush pardoned Elliot Abrams for his role in the Iran-Contra scandal. But the D.C. Bar initiated disciplinary proceedings against Abrams for lying to Congress during its investigation of that scandal. Abrams challenged the proceedings on the grounds that the pardon not only erased his criminal convictions, but it meant he couldn't be sanctioned by the Bar for lying under oath. The D.C. Circuit disagreed, holding, quote, because a pardon does not blot out guilt, one can conclude that a pardon does not blot out probable cause or guilt or expunge an indictment. So the pardon didn't force the DC Bar to treat Abrams' lying under oath as something that never happened. But could the president issue a pardon that is so open-ended and broad that it doesn't actually specify who the recipient is? Could a president issue a mass pardon to all people who meet certain criteria? The answer to that is probably yes. There's no limitation on broad pardons. For example, Andrew Johnson pardoned all ex-Confederate soldiers in 1868. Benjamin Harrison pardoned all members of the Mormon church who had committed polygamy. And Jimmy Carter pardoned all who had evaded the Vietnam War in 1977. So if historical precedent is any indication, if President Trump wanted to pardon, let's say, every person who had ever been convicted of a federal drug crime, he could probably do it. He does not have to specify each individual person by name, but by the same token, he could probably specify that anyone involved in any crime related to the, quote, Russia hoax could also receive a pardon and effectively end investigations of that. Which brings us to another one of the perennial questions about pardons, which is, can a president grant a prospective pardon where there's been no conviction or even indictment for a crime? We expect President Trump to issue many pardons on his way out of office, but can he pardon people who have yet to be indicted or even investigated for a federal crime? And the answer to that is a clear yes, he can do that. It appears that a president can issue a pardon before any criminal proceeding against that person has been initiated. This is a prospective pardon. And in the 1866 case, ex parte garland that we just talked about, the Supreme Court announced that the pardon power, quote, extends to every offense known to the law and may be exercised at the time after its commission, either before legal proceedings are taken or during the pendency or after conviction and judgment. This basically means that the president only needs to know a crime has been committed. He doesn't have to wait until after the authorities indict or arrest a person in order to grant them a pardon. The most famous prospective pardon is when President Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon for quote, all offenses against the United States, which he has committed or may have committed or taken part in during the period from January 20th, 1969 through August 9th, 1974. Nixon had not been indicted for any crimes and resigned before he could even be impeached. The pardon shielded him from any future prosecution based on any criminal acts he might have committed during his time specified in the pardon. But that takes us to a more insidious potential situation, a quid pro quo pardon. The phrase quid pro quo, as you probably now know, is something for something, or give and take. So can a president dole out pardons to people who offer him gifts, money, or other things of value? Well, the law at 18 USC 201 makes it illegal to bribe a public official. Now, it's an open question whether that applies to the president, but putting that aside for the moment, the bribery statute doesn't necessarily make a quid pro quo pardon illegal. In 2020, the House Democrats introduced legislation that would make it illegal for a president to give a pardon in exchange for something of value. The same proposed legislation also made it illegal for a president to pardon himself, although it's sort of an open question whether this law itself would be constitutional. The Congress can't pass a law that conflicts with the constitution itself. Interestingly, Bill Barr, yes, that Bill Barr, is on record as saying that a president who sells a pardon is guilty of a crime, a quid pro quo crime. Do you uh, believe a president could lawfully issue a pardon in exchange for the recipient's promise to not incriminate him. No, that would be a crime. And he went on to say that if a president gave away a pardon in exchange for someone's silence, that could be obstruction of justice. Well, a quid pro quo to change testimony could potentially be obstruction. And that makes sense because there's plenty of things that someone can do as a governmental employee that you're authorized to do, but under certain circumstances can be illegal. For example, if your job is to sell military equipment, if you choose to sell military equipment to North Korea, well, you're authorized to do it, but it can still be a crime. And selling a pardon as president is one of those classic examples that you use to say that yes, the president has that authority, but there are circumstances that can give rise to illegality. Now, query what would happen under those circumstances uh, in terms of whether the pardon would still be in effect or not. These are things that would need to be litigated and hopefully they'll never need to be litigated. But the bottom line is that the most likely remedy for a quid pro quo pardon is probably impeachment, not criminal prosecution. And speaking of quid pro quo, (laughs) I was checking my YouTube stats and only 30% of this audience is subscribed to this channel. So if you're getting value, the quid, from this channel, please subscribe and hit the bell, the quo. And as the president says, but first I'd like you to do me this favor. Which takes us to the question of whether the president can pardon his own family. And the answer there is probably yes. There's no law or rule that says President Trump can't pardon his family members. In 2001, former President Bill Clinton pardoned his brother, Roger, who was convicted for cocaine possession in Arkansas. But there's nothing in the text of the Constitution or the case law surrounding the pardon power that would seem like it would limit President Trump's ability to pardon members of his family, whether it appears proper or not. But if you're talking about President Trump's family, that's a natural segue to the question of whether the president can pardon his co-conspirators. President Trump has been implicated in many federal crimes. It took place before and after he took office. We've done several uh, videos about that in the past. And in one particular instance, President Trump's former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, was sentenced to three years in prison for several crimes, including using campaign funds to pay off women who had affairs with the president. Federal Judge William H. Pauley III said in open court that Trump had directed Cohen to commit a federal felony. Trump was referred to in this proceedings as individual number one in unindicted co-conspirator. And that's just one particular instance. There are lots of the president's associates who have been implicated in crimes that he was either involved in or directed. Can the president pardon these people? Well, it's certainly possible that President Trump will pardon people who are considered his co-conspirators. And I hate to tell you, but it's actually happened before. In 1987, an independent counsel was investigating crimes committed by members of the Reagan administration for violating federal law by selling weapons to Iran and then illegally funneling the money to Contras in Nicaragua. For 18 months now, we have had underway a secret diplomatic initiative to Iran. For all you kids out there, this was the Iran-Contra scandal. Attorney General William Barr, yes, that Bill Barr, helped President George H.W. Bush stop this investigation by pardoning six people, including former Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger, who was about to go on trial to face charges about lying to Congress. So you can chalk this one up to the pardon power being very, very broad. There's probably nothing that would stop the president from pardoning people who've committed crimes at the president's own behest. And of course the first, but not the last lame duck pardon has been given to former General Michael Flynn in an insanely broad pardon. I've covered the Michael Flynn situation in the past in a different video, you can check that out. But many people are outraged by the Flynn pardon. And what arguably makes this different from some of President Trump's other pardons is that the criminal conduct lying to the FBI was arguably designed to protect President Trump himself from prosecution or impeachment. So here we have Trump pardoning a person who may have helped him hide his criminal conduct. Does this actually matter though when it comes to assessing the legality of the Flynn pardon? Probably not. Although law professors like Mark Osler have said the Flynn pardon is a despicable use of an awesome power, even he agrees that this is part of the broad expression of the pardon power presidents enjoy. Now, to be clear, this is bad news for democracy if a president can use pardons the way a mafia Don would wield them as a carrot to ensure loyalty from the Don's soldiers. But if you have a problem with it, amend the constitution. No, seriously, amend the constitution. President Trump could pardon Jared Kushner's dad, Steve Bannon, Paul Manafort, and even Rudy Giuliani, who's allegedly being investigated for breaking lobbying laws. But does Congress just have to sit back and take it? Can Congress investigate the use of a pardon? Although Congress probably lacks direct legislative authority to limit the pardon power via federal statute, it does have other constitutional tools for regulating and overseeing the president's pardon authority. Congress has the right to use its oversight powers to investigate. They can issue subpoenas and hold hearings on the matters of presidential pardons. Admittedly, it's sort of an open question in this era, just how powerful congressional subpoenas are and whether Congress has the ability to enforce those subpoenas against the executive, but I suspect that... Out of the wash, uh, the courts will affirm Congress's ability to enforce subpoenas into matters like these. And when President Bill Clinton pardoned about 450 people at the end of his second term, Republicans in Congress were outraged. And many of these pardons were controversial, such as his pardon of Democratic Party donor, Mark Rich, who had fled the country because of tax evasion charges. But congressional committees held oversight hearings to assess whether these pardons were, for lack of a better word, bad. But the bottom line was that even if the pardons looked bad awarded people who had connections to President Clinton, Congress lacked the authority to do anything about whatever it uncovered. Although presidents have complied with subpoenas and witnesses have testified, the Department of Justice has said that such compliance was voluntary and could not necessarily be compelled by a court. It would certainly be an interesting test case for the Supreme Court, which has expressed some skepticism about the scope of how subpoenas into President Trump's financial records. But it seems like it has to be the case that if the remedy for improper use of a pardon is impeachment, then Congress has to have the ability to investigate the use of those pardons. But that takes us to the penultimate issue with respect to pardons, which is what would happen if President Trump stepped down uh, and allowed Mike Pence to pardon him? Many people wonder if Donald Trump could resign at 11.59 a.m. on January the 20th, making Mike Pence the president for just a few minutes, just long enough to pardon President Trump. Yes, this is a scenario that led to Gerald Ford's pardon of Richard Nixon. For years, people have claimed that Nixon and Ford made a deal, that Nixon would resign if Ford agreed to pardon him. This sounds like a sleazy deal, but there doesn't seem to be any evidence of wrongdoing or shady dealing by Ford. But at the end of the day, Trump could effectively do the same thing. Instead of leaving office two years before his term is up, as Richard Nixon did, Trump could effectively step down with just a few minutes left in his presidency, turn it over to Mike Pence, and ask for a pardon from President Mike Pence. Of course, President Trump has already stated that he could pardon himself, so he doesn't actually need to do that. But the question is, can the president actually pardon himself? President Trump certainly thinks he has that power. He said on more than one occasion, I have the absolute right to pardon myself but it's an open question because obviously no one has ever done this before. So it's uncharted territory. And as with most things with constitutional law, first we look to the text of the constitution. And as we've discussed, the constitution gives the president the power to grant reprieves and pardon for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. So at first blush, it doesn't contain a limitation that says, unless you are the president of the United States. But that's not necessarily the end of the question. Particular because I think a lot of people consider the idea of a president pardoning him or herself to be so odious. Another prudential argument is that if the president could pardon himself, he would forever be above the law. Many believe that a sitting president cannot be indicted. If the president could pardon himself before he leaves office, he'd be immune from all federal crimes while in office and then forever when he leaves. And in at least one part of the constitution, the framers clearly intended criminal penalties after office. Article one, section three declares judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. Many argue that the constitution says that the Congress may not impose criminal penalties on a president, but the president is still nonetheless subject to federal criminal prosecution through ordinary courts. And allowing a self-pardon would eviscerate that clause of the constitution. And one of the canons of construction, the rule against surplusage, would lend credence to the idea that a self-dealing pardon is void. Other strict textualists argue that the plain meaning of the pardon clause doesn't actually allow for a self-dealing pardon, specifically because of the word grant as it's used in that clause. The constitution says the president shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States. The grant of a pardon implies the transferring of one thing to another. The constitution uses the word grant five other times, always in the context of one person or body granting something to another person or body. For example, article one says the legislative power herein granted shall be vested in the Congress of the United States. Here, the people of the United States are granting Congress the right to make laws. Also, Article One says Congress may grant letters of mark and reprisal. This means Congress can give private ships the right to start wars against ships of other nations. This was an important grant of power back in the day since it protected private vessels against accusations of piracy. Notice again that Congress is transferring a thing, letters of mark and reprisal, to another entity. It seems to imply two people or at least a separate grantor and grantee. Kind of like a kidney donor. You can have the power to give a kidney, but you can't give it to yourself. Legal, eagle speaking, that's not a good idea. But I'm skeptical of this argument. For one, regular people and lawyers do use grant in a reflexive way. For example, in property law, a person might grant him or herself an easement or a life estate. A life estate is a property that an individual owns only through the duration of their lifetime. You don't see life estates all that often, but I assure you they do exist and law students hate them because they make property law really complicated and annoying. But the point is you can grant yourself a life estate. So it's not clear which way this argument would go, which is one of the reasons why the Office of Legal Counsel of the White House has opined on this particular issue several times. And there's a general principle in US law that a person cannot be the judge in their own case which would uh, argue against the president being able to pardon him or herself. And in 1974, when President Nixon asked the Office of Legal Counsel, the OLC, to determine if he could pardon himself, the OLC relied on that principle in saying that President Nixon could not pardon himself. And in the famous August 5th, 1974 memo of the OLC, Mary Lawton, the acting assistant attorney general, wrote, quote, under the fundamental rule that no one may be the judge in their own case, the president cannot pardon himself. And four days later, Nixon resigned in disgrace, possibly because he didn't think that he was legally allowed to pardon himself. So given that President Nixon's staff opined that he could not pardon himself, and often people complain that the OLC is really beholden to the presidency and aren't really giving uh, objective opinions, and even Nixon himself would not go so far to issue a self-pardon, that's potentially persuasive authority that the president doesn't have the power to self-pardon. And there is some authority from the Supreme Court that's persuasive because the Supreme Court hasn't ruled on this precise issue of the president pardoning himself. So it's not dispositive, but it might help in this analysis. There's really only one Supreme Court case that's on point, and that is the ex parte Garland case from 1866, which we've talked about now twice in this same video because there aren't that many cases. And the ex parte Garland case concerned Congress's ability to exclude members of the Confederacy from practicing federal law after the Civil War, and whether the president could pardon a Confederate soldier. Again, going back to the idea of whether the pardon expunges everything or whether the there's some remaining residue from the prior crimes that have been committed. And the Supreme Court held five to four that the president could pardon the Confederate senator, but more importantly, the court held unanimously that the Supreme Court has the authority to interpret the scope of the pardon power. And like the bedrock Supreme Court case of Marbury versus Madison, ex parte Garland is probably less important for the actual outcome of the case than for the principle that the Supreme Court has the overview authority to interpret the constitution in this case and make a decision one way or the other about the president's pardon power. So this probably means that if President Trump tried to pardon himself, he could do it in the first instance. He might be able to file the paperwork for himself, but under Supreme Court case law, the Supreme Court has the power to review that pardon. And it's possible that the Supreme Court could review the case and actually nullify the president's self-pardon on the grounds that the president cannot be the judge in his own case or that the impeachment exception applies, which prevents the president's pardon from going into effect. But the ex parte Garland case was 150 years ago. So there's no telling that the current Supreme Court is actually even going to take up the case. But the way that you would test it is if a certain president pardoned himself and then a new president, whether a prosecutor or the attorney general himself, decided to indict and move forward with charging that president with a crime. Well, that former president would then be able to challenge the prosecution on the grounds that He had received and granted his own pardon. And that would certainly go all the way up to the Supreme Court, almost guaranteed. It's possible that if a case did make its way up to the Supreme Court and query who even has standing to bring this uh, challenge to the president's self-pardon, that the court would look at it and say, look, this is a political question. We've seen the modern Supreme Court punt on a lot of questions claiming this is a political question left for the legislative and executive branches and the separation of powers. And that there's a remedy in the constitution that the president can be impeached and removed even up to the last day in office. So if people find his behavior so odious, they can impeach him and remove him from office. And that is the political... Uh, resolution to all of these things. So there's no telling what a Supreme Court would do, whether they would follow the guidance of the OLC, which is not binding precedent, or whether they would uh, allow the self-pardon to stand.